Thanks for listening to the show. Join us online at playvolutionhq.com and learn how to support the show at explorationsearlylearning.com slash support. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Kick back, settle in, and let us fill your ear holes with early learning information, wisdom, and advice. And now, here's Heather and Jeff. Welcome to Renegade Rules. Jeff Johnson here in Upstairs Studio. On the phone with me is Heather Shoemaker, as always. And Heather, we've got a guest today. What are we talking about and who are we talking to? Yes, we have a guest who loves recess. And her name is Cheryl Richardson um, from a group called SHAPE. And I'm excited always to meet people who are recess advocates and advocates for kids in, um, in school settings. So um, welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you today. So I, um, I learned about your work because of your work in recess, but actually you also have a, a great interest in um, gym or physical education, too. You're a, you're a PA educator, is that right? Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, that is correct. We are the National Professional Association for both health educators and physical educators. So in that capacity, we do all that we can to make sure that health and PE teachers have all the tools they need to provide great experiences for students. Right. So that's what SHAPE is all about. The the PE at the end of SHAPE has to do with physical education. Correct. We are the Society of Health and Physical Educators. Right. So, you know, sometimes, and I get into this in my, in my book, It's Okay to Go Up the Slide, sometimes recess is even at odds a bit with gym class only because, it doesn't have to be, but only because some of the adults in the world will say things like, well, we get gym class so the kids don't need recess. How do you react to things like that? Correct. They aren't, they aren't the same thing, and I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. Physical education is a content area. There are standards. There are teaching and learning standards that need to occur in a classroom. There are grade-level expectations for students, so there are things that they should know and be able to do by the end of each grade level on their, as they progress towards physical literacy. Alternatively, recess is a time for students to practice the skills that they've learned in physical education, both their physical skills as well as their social skills. So in some ways, um, I mean, recess can be everything. Um, When you were just talking about Jim, for example, I was thinking of um, maybe Jeff as a young boy, maybe he's third grade and he can't quite throw the ball or something. You have certain levels of where, where a kid should be with actually kicking and, and throwing and things. Sorry to pick on you, Jeff. No, were you, spy- <laughs> were you spying on me? <laughs> no, I wasn't spying. That's incredibly accurate. <laughs> yes, we have an entire, an entire series. It's, we refer to them as our grade-level outcomes, and they identify what every student should know and be able to do at every grade level through their, their K-12 school experience. So, so recess is obviously not that. Recess is designed to be free play 
and like I said, an opportunity for students to practice some of the skills that they've learned in physical education, both those motor skills, you know, skipping, how to, how to pump a swing, how to play some games, but also the social interaction. How do you compromise and decide what you're going to do, um, you know, if, if you want to play with a friend and you each want to do something different? How do, you, how do you navigate those types of decisions in a way that maintains your friendship? Right. So um, I would agree, you know, recess is all about free play, including maybe the, the desire to stand still or hide under a bush or, you know, not move at all, even though that might not meet sort of physical movement goals, it might meet the child's social needs or friendship needs or whatever imaginary play is going on. Um, what do you, can you just give us some of the wonderful things about recess and, and um I don't think any child would need these explained to them, but what are some of the convincing arguments that, that really help adults open their ears to the idea of having more recess in a school day? Well, I think one of the, the key things to keep in mind is that recess sets off a domino effect. and that dom So recess promotes increased physical activity, which can improve behavior and attention in the classroom. And that can reduce bullying and exclusionary types of behaviors. And that and those that in and of itself can help students feel safe and more engaged in the classroom, which uh, um, in a lot of places you'll see referred to as school connectedness. And that school connectedness improves positive school climate. So the larger outcomes that we see in this series of events that all began with recess are things like improved attendance, improved academic achievement, and improved engagement in school. Mm -hmm. All good things. And, yes, and, it, and it's things. fun. And it's fun, <laughs> yeah. It is, exactly. And I, I think there's a misperception in the world that when we give students time for recess and, and encourage free play, that it's a waste of their time at school. And really the opposite of that is true. It's just a different way for students to engage their bodies and their brains. But there are definitely academic benefits to participating in recess. Mm -hmm. So those are the arguments for the adults. What about, um, it's such a common practice for kids to have recess taken away from them. Um, they didn't do their homework, they, they, they poked Billy who was sitting next to them, you know, all sorts of behavior and academic reasons that they get recess taken away from them. Um, what, are your, um, what are your advocacy points for that? I mean, how do you, I, I know a lot of schools allow that and ones that officially don't still do it anyway. That you're correct. And actually, Shape America has a position statement that addresses that. So if parents are looking for a resource to take to their school administrator that says all, why um, recess should not be taken away as a, as a punishment or as a means to finish up some other homework or for the myriad of reasons, um, we actually have a position statement that says that Yay. that is not a good practice. And we also offer alternatives. Because there are times where students do need to make up work or they need additional help from a teacher. And, and so we have, we have, in this position statement, we offer some alternatives rather than taking away recess because that does seem to be sort of the go-to time period during the day. But the other thing that we found through this project that we did with the CDC on these recess strategies is that taking away recess is, is, can be counterproductive. You know, when I was talking about the domino effect that recess kicks off, one of the things that I talked about in there was that about um, recess improving students' behavior and their attention in class. Mm -hmm. 
So by taking away recess, you're taking away perhaps their opportunity to sort of reset and re-engage in the classroom. Um, and it, it, it's counterproductive to the ultimate goals of the teacher, which are to, you know, finish work or correct behavior. So some of those kids that are having recess taken away from them, like I did, um, the, the, the right path might be to give them more recess? Correct. Or some other type of um, positive physical activity mm-hmm. experience. Yeah. You know, you may have seen in the news there have been things like standing desks or things like um, exercise balls or even what they refer to as a class as fidgets, little things that kids can hold in their hands and squeeze or make into different shapes. All things like that, those are very small types of physical activity, but they can also help improve behavior just by creating a distraction, if you will, from, from um, you know, energy that needs to be burned. Right. Now, a lot of the things you mentioned, you know, being able to move somewhat in the classroom and have that be welcomed and, and directed rather than um, you're in trouble. Um, some of those, I think, I, I see a lot of teachers beginning to pick up on that. But you're not suggesting um, that that kind of um, physical movement in the classroom is not the same as having recess. You need both in many cases. Right? Correct. Correct. Yeah, we want, we definitely need recess, as I mentioned, um, to practice social skills and to get some exercise. Recess should contribute toward a, a student's goal of getting 60 minutes or more of physical activity every day. And the little fidgety types of things that teachers can provide in the classroom aren't, that's not the type of physical activity that we're talking about here. Right. Fidgeting is not the same as running, is it? Correct, correct. We want kids to get their heart rate elevated, you know, practice the motor skills, all of those types of things. How, 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 go ahead, Jeff. I I was just going to ask how, how much recess, the average elementary age child, how much recess should be going on during the day? So the recommendation is for at least 20 minutes. And the other thing I want to highlight about that is that recess should come before lunch. And the reason that I say that is our, our research has, suggests that students who have recess before they have lunch consume more fruits and vegetables once they sit down to eat. They also drink more milk, and they just they eat more of the, of the food that's on their tray, so they waste less food. Interesting. And, and virtually, virtually every school does it the exact opposite way. A lot of times, a lot of, yes. And so I think you know, this is one of the, so one of the tools that we have created in collaboration with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is a series of strategies for recess in schools. And I think this is one of those things that if this is the way your school has always done it, it's probably never been questioned. Mm-hmm. So it's just one, of, one example in, in which a way that you can make both recess time and lunch time more beneficial for students. Right. And I, I think um, we'd love to hear some stories or examples that you ha- might have of school districts or individual schools that have been open to changes and have had made some um, steps towards welcoming recess more. Um, I also wanted to point out that you know, 20 minutes is pretty short, and I think it's, it's vital to know that a lot of schools don't even have any recess. So 20 minutes is good. Um, I, I do recommend in my book that 20 minutes is sort of on the low end and that if you have more breaks or even some longer ones during the day, I like to see two to three recesses during the school day 
Um, and the kids certainly seem to have all that domino effect you talked about um, reinforced just when they get a little bit more time to be themselves and, and, and get some of that energy out. I think it's also important to note that the 20 minutes is the actual time that the students should be out at recess. It doesn't include, so I'm, I used to be an elementary physical educator in Wisconsin. And so when we had recess, you know, you also had to accommodate everybody putting on their snow pants and their boots and all of those things. And for some kids, that could have wiped out their entire 20 minutes that they would have for recess. Um, so I think it's important to note that that doesn't include the transition time. We're, we're talking about up. 20 minutes outside. Right, mm -hmm. once they're ready to go, because a lot of it is lining up and getting your snow clothes on or whatever it is that you wear in whatever climate it is. Right. Good point. So I think the, the other thing that I want to make note of is that while we, we tend to think of recess as for elementary students, but it's, it's just as important for secondary students as well. It looks a little different, obviously, because many secondary schools don't have playgrounds, and I'm not sure that that's cool enough for secondary age students, but, um, but they should have something similar offered to them, time in the day where they can have a variety of activities available to them that they can choose what they would like to do and engage in some type of physical activity um, on their own. Yeah, and I just want to highlight the, the voice that you're bringing to that because so few people do recognize the importance of recess for older kids. Um, and often it stops at middle school, and since some fifth graders are in middle school, that's pretty young. You, you can have 10-year-olds who no longer have recess. Um, so we often, as a, as a culture, cut off recess in elementary school. Um, but you're talking about middle school and high school, that it's valuable for, for all those young people. Absolutely. And, and like I said, it just tends to look a bit different. It can look like intramural um, activities at lunchtime. It can look like physical activity clubs, um, a bunch of different things, or just free time in the gym um, or outside with some various equipment available to them. Well, yeah. and adults, we, we need a little bit of recess time, too. There, there's a reason all these tech companies like Google uh, build these campuses with basketball courts and foosball tables and, 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 and all of this stuff for their employees to, to get Don't away from... Don't forget ping pong. And ping pong, yeah, <laughs> to get away, from, uh, get away from the desk for a while and, and reset their brains, have a little bit of activity, and then, and then get back at it. Absolutely. The need for physical activity does not stop just because you've graduated from high school. Um, so that, that's a great point. Yeah. So can you, do you have any success stories um, of, of schools that have opened their minds and made some changes? Um, the, we, I know we are working on a series of case studies that highlight some good examples um, I can't speak to any of those off the top of my head, but what I can speak to is my own personal experience from this where I, when I was teaching. Our students were very fortunate. They had a 30-minute recess at lunchtime, and because of our school structure, some kids had it before lunch, before they ate, and other kids had it after they ate. But then every class also had a 20-minute recess in addition to that, either in the morning or the afternoon. So our students had 50 minutes of recess every day. Yay, you, you get in the star category. So it was very exciting, and it was, you know, I didn't realize at that time the value of it 
until I moved. And then my, my own children didn't have that same recess opportunity. And then I, I had a whole new appreciation for the value that recess brings to the school day. Right. So what kind of um, attitudes do you find among the adults that, are, that, that get in the way of, of kids um, accessing recess and, and having enough time at recess um, to reach their social and learning potential? Uh, I think the number one barrier is something that I mentioned earlier, and that is that sometimes it's perceived as a waste of time. And as I, and as also, I also mentioned earlier, that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. Um, the other thing I think that becomes an issue uh, is that there are kids that recess is not their favorite time of the day because they may have, they may struggle with some social, you know, may have some types of social struggles or, you know, they feel like they're being picked on or, you know, a variety of other things. And I think that can make recess really uncomfortable for people, for some students. So it's very important that recess supervisors are appropriately trained so that they can recognize and intervene in these types of situations so that recess can be a positive experience for everyone. So does your group actually um, give guidelines for how you might train the, the, the wonder person supervisor who's out in the playground? So we don't have actual training materials ourselves, but we do have a number of resources um, for, for people who are interested in, in seeking training for recess, because that is really important. Um, you know, I think we've probably all seen some of the playground supervisors who are just chatting, you know, with each other and, um, it, and all of those kinds of things. And they actually need to be a little more engaged and making sure that, that, um, that students are being active and that they're being safe and that students are treating each other with kindness and respect, all of those types of things. So in order to do that, they need to be appropriately supervising. Isn't there a balance there, though? Because sometimes I think it gets a little bit over-supervised and uh, becomes an adult-led activity. Uh, I, I would like the recess lady. And I, I grew up with a recess lady. She, uh, she had a whistle around her neck and a Virginia Slim in her mouth. And, uh, oh, my goodness. <laughs> and and, and, and we, we found that delightful because she, she, didn't, she didn't get all up in our business too much. Uh, right. But every once in a while, that whistle would toot. Now we're living in a world where, where a lot of dramatic play is banned on the playground because somebody's uncomfortable with it and tag is taken away. And, and all the stuff that a lot of us grew up doing has become uh, inappropriate. Against the rules. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so and right. the rules are getting bizarre, like don't pick wood chips up off the playground or no running or, you know, very um, strict. There was a kid who got in trouble. He was benched. I think he was uh, six years old for picking um, dried leaves off the playground and holding them in a bouquet. He wanted to give them to his mom. How dare so there's he? various. You know, don't touch the snow is a big one up here, <laughs> up in northern Michigan, that you can you can build a snowman, but you can't lift the snow except for lifting snow onto a snowman at some of the schools. So I, I, I think that balance Jeff was getting at it is huge because you want to um, help kids develop social skills if they're chronically being rejected and might need some help in this department. But at the same hand, on the other hand, you want to make sure that they have a little space to be themselves and not have these adults breathing down their necks and watching everything they do um, too much. 
Yeah, I agree. More rules aren't always better. And of course, that is up for individual schools to decide. So that is, again, one of the things that this, the strategies for recess in schools document will help, help those who are administering recess to think through and what does make sense and what is an appropriate level of risk um, that students can take. Um, and, you know, where is that line between allowing kids freedom to play and engage in some healthy risk versus where they're actually in danger and they could be at, at risk of injury. Yeah, yeah. Right. So can you just to wrap up mention some resources that a lot of uh, the listeners to this show are um, parents or sometimes teachers, some resources that they can link into. You've mentioned a couple times this study that I believe was a joint study between SHAPE and the CDC, which um, is, is the Center for Disease Control. Are we, are we talking about a different CDC? Nope, that's the, that's the same one, yes. So tell us about how they can access that resource and other resources that they might find useful to advocate for more and better recess. Absolutely. So on, on our website, which is shapeamerica.org, parents can find our strategies for recess in schools work. And there are, there are several documents here, but as I've mentioned you know, a few times, it's basically a step-by-step -step guide to thinking through all of the aspects of recess that your school does or doesn't provide and some guidance on how to make some good choices about how to, how to offer the best opportunities for recess at your school. The other thing that I want to mention, and this is again linked from the, the Shape America website, is that CDC has developed a set of resources called Parents for Healthy Schools. And that, again, that's linked from our Shape America website. And basically, it's a, it's a whole toolkit for parents to help create healthy school environments. And there is a document in there that's specific for recess, and it's, it's called Ideas for Parents. So that whole toolkit for parents for healthy schools can be found on our website as well. Lots right. of good stuff. Parents have a lot of opportunity to have a strong voice in providing healthy opportunities for their kids at school. So please take advantage of those things. It's for everyone's benefit. Right, and I think that's one thing that parents often um, feel that hopeless sometimes is that this is the way it is and how am I ever gonna change it and I know it's not working for my child or the other kids I know. So um, I'm just glad to have you on as a guest to add one more voice and one more set of resources that parents might find useful to get more recess into the world. Thanks so much, Cheryl. Absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining right, us. Take care. This has been Thank Renegade, you. Oh, excuse me. This has been Renegade Rules back soon with another episode. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with another episode. Music by Alexander Shoemaker. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.